0: Hey, this is Dave DeCamp from Antiwar.com, and this is Antiwar News for Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. The first story at the top of Antiwar.com, more money for Ukraine. The U.S. announced on Monday that it's sending $5.5 billion in new aid for Ukraine. That's split up into $4.5 billion in direct budgetary aid and a $1 billion weapons package for Ukraine. Now, the $4.5 billion in budgetary aid, it's going directly to the Ukrainian government, and it's meant to pay for things like pensions, health care costs, social welfare, and other government services. The budgetary funds are being directed by the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, According to USAID, this new $4.5 billion in budgetary aid will bring the total budgetary aid that the U.S. has provided Ukraine since Russia invaded to $8.5 billion. Now, this massive amount of direct aid that's being just handed to the Ukrainian government, it comes despite Western concerns about corruption in Kiev. Before Russia invaded Ukraine, we often saw US and EU and British officials talk about corruption in Ukraine. They cited it as a reason why we saw Biden say this a few times since he came into office. They cited it as a reason why Ukraine couldn't join NATO. He said they have to clean up their corruption before they could join NATO. Uh, He even said that during the lead up to Russia's invasion, and he said Ukraine's not joining NATO anytime soon, but he still wouldn't give Russia a guarantee that Ukraine won't ever join NATO as an attempt to stop the war. Um, But anyway, so we've, we saw these stories kind of disappear from the mainstream media after Russia invaded in February and for months and months until last month, Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky, he fired two high level officials, a top prosecutor in Ukraine and the head of the SBU Ukraine's intelligence service. And that kind of brought this issue of corruption back into uh, the conversation in Western media. Uh, we saw a report from Politico, a report from AP and other outlets saying uh, that Zelensky's firings you know raised concerns about corruption. So it was interesting to see that narrative um, be revived by the Western media uh, that they something that they used to discuss pretty frequently, and we also saw Zelensky ban opposition parties after the invasion, including the the leading opposition party, and the leader of that party is currently uh, has been arrested by Ukrainian authorities. Okay, so anyway, uh, the next one, the one billion dollar weapons package, is the single largest arms package that the U.S. has pledged to Kiev since Russia invaded. It includes ammunition for the HIMARS rocket systems, new Javelin anti-tank missiles, and ammunition for other weapon systems that the U.S. has provided Ukraine. According to the Pentagon, the $1 billion package includes um, other ammunition for howitzers that the U.S. has sent, ammunition for a surface-to-air missile system that the U.S. has sent Ukraine, 1,000 Javelin missiles, which I already mentioned, 50 armored medical treatment vehicles, Claymore anti-personnel munitions, C4 explosives, demolition munitions and demolition equipment, medical supplies, and stuff of that nature. So now all this aid is still being pulled from that $40 billion ukraine aid bill that president biden signed into law back in may you got to think they're almost out of those funds because we've just seen so many new military aid packages for ukraine and they're probably we're probably going to see congress draft a new ukraine aid bill soon i don't think they're going to turn this tap off I, and uh What we saw with the $40 billion package was Biden asked for $33 billion, and then Congress turned around and raised it to $40 billion. And this is kind of a common theme that we're really starting to see. I mean, for the 2023 military budget, Biden asked for $813 billion, which is already just massive and huge. And Congress added $37 billion. That was the House version. The Senate's trying to add a few more billion. I mean, it's just really crazy. They're still working that out, what the final number is going to be. But it's going to be much more than what Biden and even the Pentagon requested. So we're just seeing Congress is just ready to spend, spend, spend on military on supporting this war. So who knows how big the next package will be for Ukraine. Now, this next one is very interesting here. CBS removes documentary on Ukraine military aid after pressure from the Ukrainian government. So on Sunday, CBS released this documentary about the flow of military aid into Ukraine. And they accompanied it with an article about the documentary. And it quoted uh, a guy named Jonas Oman. He's the founder of Blue Yellow. It's a Lithuania-based organization that CBS said had been meeting with and supplying frontline units with aid in Ukraine since the start of the war in the Donbass in 2014. So they've been working with the Ukrainian to get the Ukrainian military aid for a long time. And he said that um, he estimated that about 30% of the goods that are being sent into Ukraine, of the military aid that's being sent into Ukraine, reaches its final destination, only 30%. So that means 70% is not reaching the front lines there. He said 30 to 40% is his estimation. Now, CBS spoke with him in April. Uh, So after this documentary aired, I saw a short trailer for it. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch the whole thing before they took it down. Um, But Ukraine's government, Ukrainian officials, and their supporters in the West really put the pressure on CBS. And they caved and they retracted it. And then they put out this editor's note in the article saying that they were updating the documentary and stressing that this guy Oman, he said that while in April he estimated 30 to 40%, oh, well, he said that since then, things have significantly improved since April. But still, we don't know what that means. He didn't give an estimation. We don't know how much better things have gotten, according to him, at least. Um, So this was really, you know, we just saw the Ukrainian government pre- pressure in a, a US media outlet to remove this documentary and who knows what the uh, the new, the new release is going to is going to be like and the editors note also noted something they revealed something that the Ukrainian government said that the US has sent a defense attaché brigadier general garrick m harmon to Kiev who arrived in August for arms control and monitoring. So a defense attaché is a military officer that's assigned to a US embassy to represent the Pentagon's interests in the country and until now we weren't sure if there was one at the US embassy in Kiev when it was since it was reopened in May when it was first reopened embassies typically have, you know, a small military presence, a few dozen marines as as security and when they first reopened they didn't do that as far as we know so this is really the first uh indication that we're getting that there is some type of military presence now at that embassy and i'm sure he's not alone i'm going to try to find more details about this for you guys this week but we saw ukraine's foreign ministry uh foreign minister say on twitter that that what cvs did was not enough. And he called for an investigation into the documentary. He said, quote, there should be an internal investigation into who enabled this and why, end quote. So that's pretty ominous. What does that mean? What does he want for, what does he want to happen? What does he want CBS to do? And we see Ukraine, you know, they recently released this blacklist of these Western Foreign policy experts that they accused of being Russian propagandists because they, you know, are against US and NATO intervention in the war, or they just give people the proper context of what led to this war, how NATO expansion and US intervention in Ukraine played a role in provoking Russia's invasion. And this here, we just see critical reporting of this billions, which we haven't really seen this this reporting like this yet. Billions of dollars in in aid are that the U.S. is providing. So this shows that Ukraine doesn't want us to even question it. They just want to, us to keep sending the money. Anybody that questions it is a Russian propagandist. Um, and we also saw Oman, the, the guy that was quoted by CBS, he said, describing the bureaucracy that he had to deal with getting aid to the front lines, he said, quote, there are like power lords, oligarchs, political players. The system itself is like we are the armed forces of Ukraine. If security forces want it, well, the Americans gave it to us. It's kind of like power games all day long. And so eventually people need the stuff and they go to us, end quote. So he ran an NGO that helped deliver other aid to into Ukraine. Uh, okay, so that's it for... Ukraine. This is a Russia story. I guess it's still related. So on Monday, Russia told the U.S. that it will temporarily prohibit the U.S. from inspecting its nuclear weapons sites under the New START Treaty over sanctions that make it difficult for Russian inspectors to travel to the U.S. So this isn't a good sign. The New START Treaty, it's the last nuclear arms control treaty between the U.S. and Russia. And it comes with an inspection regime. U.S. inspectors inspect Russia's weapons. Russian inspectors inspect American weapons. And Russia's suspending that because they're saying that because of U.S. and other Western sanctions, their inspectors can't get into the U.S. So they're saying it's only fair that we shut down these inspections until we work something out. They're stressing that it's only temporary and that once they resolve the problems that the inspections will resume, that they want to implement Implement the New START treaty fully, but this is still just a kind of a troubling sign that we see the state of relations that it would even come to this. Uh, They said that they have brought this to the US attention, but they have received no response from the corresponding countries. So hopefully this gets resolved soon, but this is just another sign of we keep talking about the risk of nuclear war, the lack of arms control treaties, the lack of communication. And here's another sign. Russia has said that it wants to negotiate a replacement to New START, which expires in 2026. So President Biden said recently that his administration is ready for those negotiations, but he added the caveat pretty much is what, what he said was as long as they're fighting this war in Ukraine, we can't negotiate with them. And so we're just not in a good position when it comes to nuclear arms control talks. Okay, the next one. So China is carrying out more military exercises around Taiwan. So on Sunday, China wrapped up their unprecedented, the largest military drills they ever held around Taiwan. But on Monday, they announced that they were holding more. China's People's Liberation Army, the PLA, they said that Monday's drills were focused on anti-submarine and sea assault operations. It's not clear how long these drills will last, exactly how big they are. Uh, During the drills over the weekend, China closed off six areas around Taiwan, simulating a blockade. And now Taiwan's Ministry of Transportation, they said Monday that the airspace surrounding the island has been reopened and air traffic was getting back to normal so that signals that those areas aren't closed off anymore but what we've seen what i've been talking about a lot i hope i'm not being too redundant on this issue but it is very important to say that this is all a response to nancy pelosi's trip to the island china said it would respond and here we are they're responding and they responded with unprecedented drills and they're doing things that they didn't do before for instance, they always avoided the median line for the most part that separated the two sides of the Taiwan Strait. Now we've seen them occasionally go go over that line but very rarely, but now we've seen since August 3rd every day Taiwan's defense ministry is reporting that Chinese warplanes are crossing that line. We also saw China fire missiles over Taiwan for the first time ever. Uh, We saw them drill within 12 miles, which is Taiwan's territorial waters, which China technically doesn't recognize, but they always respected that line. So again, this is all a response to Pelosi. Biden said on Monday that he was concerned with China's military activity, but he doesn't think the, the situation will escalate further, but tensions could still really ratchet up As the U.S. is planning to send ships and planes through through the Taiwan Strait in the coming week, the U.S. typically sails a Navy destroyer through the Taiwan Strait about once a month, but it's possible and it it sounds like they might send more than just a destroyer. They might send more ships through the Strait and that could really escalate tensions because right now it's clear that China is not, um, they don't want to have any of that right now. Okay, so the next one here. President Biden says he's proud of U.S. support for Israel after Gaza bombardment kills 45, including 16 children. So it looks like the ceasefire that Israel said it agreed to in Gaza has held since Sunday night in Gaza. We saw a three-day bombing campaign from Friday to Sunday, and the the death toll right now, at least 45 Palestinians were killed, including 16 children so we I talked about this a bit yesterday Israel started this bombing campaign on Friday they launched an airstrike against a leader of Islamic jihad that's a group a Palestinian group and the initial strike killed an Islamic jihad leader but it also killed a five-year-old girl we saw other airstrikes kill children uh, one in a cemetery killed five children and Biden released a statement after this these massacres, just you know reaffirming that he supports Israel that he supports all this, he said quote, "My support for Israel's security is long standing and unwavering, including its right to defend itself against attacks over these recent days. Israel has defended its people from indiscriminate rocket attacks launched by the terrorist group." Palestinian Islamic jihad end quote so now we saw Islamic jihad did launch rockets into Israel in retaliation for the strike remember Israel launched that airstrike first but no Israelis were killed they have very crude rockets even cruder than what Hamas has um but Biden said, you know, he, They're still framing this as Israel's right to defend itself, even though Gaza has been under siege since 2006, has been under blockade. Uh, he said, quote, the United States is proud of our support for Israel's Iron Dome, which intercepted hundreds of rockets and saved countless lives. I commend Prime Minister Yair Lapid and his government's steady leadership throughout the crisis. End quote. So after Israel's Previous massive bombing campaign in Gaza in May 2021, which killed 256 Palestinians, including 67 children, Israel asked the U.S. for an additional $1 billion in military aid, which is on top of the $3.8 billion that the U.S. provides Israel each year. The U.S. obliged the Israeli request, and the extra $1 billion was was included in an omnibus spending bill that Biden signed into law earlier this year. So now we've seen Israel in this latest bombing campaign. Israel has claimed that some of the people that were killed were killed by misfired rockets that were launched by Islamic Jihad. But the Palestinian health ministry denies this claim and says they were all killed by Israeli airstrikes. And according to Middle East Eye, Israel has not provided independently verified evidence to back up its assertion. They provided no evidence, but Biden kind of repeated the Israeli claim that uh, and said that they had there had to be an investigation into these incidents. Not that they really care one way or the other, it seems like. Uh, But Lapid said on Monday that Israel achieved its goals in the bombing campaign. He claimed that Israel has made special efforts to avoid civilian casualties, and he said the death of children was heartbreaking but added that is Israel would not apologize for defending its people with force. So it's the narrative that Israel is defending itself from this enclave that's been under siege, under blockade. And we always see this claim that Israel has the right to defend itself. But technically, if you want to get technical here, uh, the Gaza is under blockade, which is an act of war. So technically, the people in Gaza have the right to defend themselves from Israel, the the aggressor. Uh, okay, so there's a few articles about this bombing campaign from the Middle East Eye that we link to with the names and faces of the 16 Palestinian children killed by Israel. If you got the stomach for something like that, uh, and then another one from Middle East Eye, just about how Israel's illegal assassinations in Gaza how the UN calls them illegal, but there's no accountability. And, you know, this really flies in the face of the Biden administration's whole narrative that they're trying to uphold this so-called rules-based order, and that's why they have to give all this aid to Ukraine to help defend them from Russia when you see their ally Israel does stuff like this all the time, and then they're also supporting Saudi Arabia's brutal blockade on Yemen. Um just really displays the hypocrisy when stuff like this happens but it seems like Biden hasn't come under much pressure for this latest Israeli bombing campaign it didn't get as much attention as the previous one did um so the next one here the EU submits final text of Iran deal and the negotiations are over so the Envoys from the EU, the U.S., Iran, they were in Vienna for the last couple days for talks, but they didn't last very long. The EU said that it has submitted this finalized text. And basically, Iran and the U.S. just have to agree to it. But there's really no indication of what's going to happen here. We don't know what the details of the deal are. The U.S. has shown that it's not very flexible in this issue. And the Biden administration has really shown us that they're not interested in reviving the deal. So I would be pretty surprised if they agree to this um, just because it's been so long. I mean, if they really wanted to get back into this deal, they would have just done it You know, when Biden first came into office. Instead, they delayed, delayed, delayed. Um, And now, and really from Iran's point of view, they've been very flexible. They've made concessions but at a certain point, as we keep going down the line, and it's pretty clear that Biden, it's not clear. We don't know exactly for sure. I don't want to get too into this. Who's going to be the next president? Who's going to be elected in 2024? But there's a lot of indications that President Biden will not. And there's a good chance that a Republican will come in and pretty much any Republican, if Biden returns to this deal, is just going to tear it right up. So that Iran, that's in Iran's calculation. That they're not going to make too many concessions to the U.S. knowing that the deal might just get torn up anyway. Um, But anyway, so that's the news for the day. We got a lot of good viewpoints up there, including one from Ron Paul about Pelosi's foolish trip to Taiwan. Um, There's a good picture story from the Electronic Intifada about the latest bombing campaign in Gaza. Uh, But that's it. And I hope uh, everybody's enjoying the show. You could contact me at news at antiwar.com. Follow me on Twitter at DeCampDave. Share the show. Our numbers are doing pretty good. Our download numbers. um, We could use a little boost to our YouTube numbers if you want to subscribe there or share the show. Tell your friends. And you could support the show at antiwar.com slash donate. Any little donation helps. Anything you can spare, we appreciate it. Uh, But that's it for today, and I will catch you guys tomorrow.